Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of Grey Duck Sports. There's a lot going on Minnesota-wise. Wolves, Vikings, Wild. Wolves are bad. Wild are good. Haven't watched enough Wild to really comment. I'm so frustrated with the Wolves after the first couple games that I'm not going to talk about them right now because this is supposed to be fun. Same thing for the Minnesota Vikings. We'll see if they have a little more fun. But I'm not going to come back after taking a couple weeks off and just have depressing news and only be sad and just wallow. So instead, college football, the Big Ten, that's been a lot of fun. And we have the perfect guest for you, Big Ten Ben of Sports Grid fame, formerly of Lockdown Big Ten. We touch on Minnesota, Iowa. We do a little Michigan, Penn State. Is this line too fishy? And then a way too long of a debate that we said we weren't going to have. Michigan versus Michigan State. And the polls, I'm going to get out in front of it right away. I'm a Michigan over Michigan State guy. I know that's sacrilegious to the games on the field, but I think they're a better team. So we get into all that. We also talk a little Ohio State. Just look at the Big Ten as a whole. Take a look at the Big Ten West. There's a lot happening. A ton of big games this weekend. So without further ado, Ben Stevens. All right. Ben Stevens joins me of the morning after on Sports Grid Now, the man formerly known as Big Ten Ben. Ben, I'll, do, I'll, uh, I'll address the formalities here, even though we just talked for about 30 minutes. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Brett. Thank you for having me here. And although you say formerly known as Big Ten Ben, I am still Big Ten Ben. It always lives on in my heart. And in so- certain portions of the country, Big Ten Ben shall never die. That's, that's fair. And I like that Big Ten Ben doesn't like shy away from the, it's like, uh, it's like when a local reporter goes national, but he still like has the tie to his local, his last local market. It's like that where you're like, yeah, I don't talk about the Big Ten all the time now, but just know when I have free minutes, it is spent on the Big Ten. Like I'm watching Big Noon kickoff every weekend, no matter what. Oh, absolutely. So I still think the Big Ten Network is a top five channel played in my apartment, obviously, because of all the sports that we have available on the Big Ten Network. But still, I still hold my the Big Ten Conference very near and dear. And although I do talk about other things now, I still say my greatest de- greatest depth of knowledge is about the Big Ten Conference. That's that's what we love to hear. I'd probably say the same thing about myself. So hopefully we can really we can really get into it. Is there anything in all of the segments in sports? You do a lot of talking on podcasts, radio. But is there anything in Big Ten football that you just haven't, like that you just never got five minutes to go on that you've been thinking about lately? No, not really. I generally, I can craft the show. It's a three-hour show that we do each and every morning, every weekday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern. And I can craft the show at times, especially when I have solo segments when we're waiting for guests to come on or whatever it might be. So a lot of times if there's an open segment, it will be about college football in some form or fashion. And I'll either talk about something from a national perspective and tie in a Big Ten player or oftentimes i'll just talk about the big 10 conference so no i i get a good fair bit of big 10 talking there well getting good mileage out of those three hours then i like that um then first question we're got to start somewhere that is not a good place to start nationally minnesota iowa you know that's everyone in the big 10 the last couple weeks they've been dying to know what's going on in this minnesota iowa game probably two of the most inept offenses for overall good football teams that you'll ever see in a game uh give me your impressions on that I mean, I first look at the total, right? It's 37 and a half and the juice is to the under. As we say in the industry, when the juice is to the under, the juice meaning what you have to pay on the dollar, which understandably indicates what outcome is more likely to happen. In this case, because the juice is on the under of an over under total of 37 and a half, that means that falling under 37 and a half, not scoring enough points to go over 37 and a half is the more likely outcome. And 37 and a half, everybody, is a very, very small total. 
for college football. We're talking monumentally small when it comes to an over-under. So I agree with Brett's point. It's about the ineptitude of these offenses right now. Minnesota has had a very tough go this year, having lost Mohamed Ibrahim, having lost Trey Potts, having lost Bryce Williams now for the remainder of the season. And Tanner Morgan, boy, oh boy, did he benefit from a 2019 season, having Rashad Bateman and Tyler Johnson there with him. Because oh, other than that, it has not been a, been a pretty picture. On the other side, now Spencer Petras not even listed on the depth chart entering this week against the Gophers. He was banged up in the Northwestern game. They went with Alex Padilla, the young sophomore, who clearly provided a spark to that Iowa offense that desperately needed a spark, ranking in the bottom 10 in the country in yards per play. This was an Iowa team, while all this was going on offensively, that was still the second-ranked team in the country because of how good that defense is. But at a certain point, your defense can't win everything for you if your offense is putting up seven points a game. So it is going to be a slugfest. It is going to be ugly. I lean with the books here. I still don't think we're going to get over 37 points in this football game. If it's 17-10, I would not be shocked by any means. Uh, still a lot of Big Ten West implications, though. Wisconsin's kind of emerged there. And for all the shit nationally, I don't even know if it's shit. I don't know why people can't appreciate the beauty of the Big Ten West because one of the greatest things about college football and having a conference championship game and having it split based on things like geography or coastal or Atlantic or whatever you want to do is the fact that sometimes there's going to be a team who has three losses with nine games or have played nine games already has three losses that's what i'm trying to say and still have everything to play for and isn't that isn't that exactly what we've wanted in college football because again in some parts of the country in pac-12 country maybe it doesn't matter as much but big 10 championships still matter and playing for the big 10 championship game absolutely matters and again the beauty of the Big Ten West, like whatever side of the ACC Clemson's not on, where it was a different team every year. It's a different team every year. It's been different teams this season. You've had five teams in the mix this year. And I like that the Minnesota-Iowa game still has, like, still means everything in November. I think that's great. Absolutely so. And not only just winning a Big Ten title, but winning a Big Ten West divisional crown and how much that means to even get to the Big Ten championship. PJ game. gives you a ring for that when you December. share it. Absolutely so. We know that that is already in the standard for Minnesota and rowing the boat. So, yes, it still means everything. And Minnesota, frankly, Brett, still can win this division if they beat Iowa. And then in the Battle of the Axe, they beat Wisconsin to end out the year. It's seeming less and less likely as the weeks go by, as Wisconsin rounds into form. And they have one of the best defenses in all of college football, the top rushing defense in the country, even ahead of Georgia, the top total defense in the country, even ahead of Georgia. I still think Georgia is the most dominant defense these two eyes have ever seen in my college football watching life but still that is how good Wisconsin has been this year under Jim Leonard and now Wisconsin has found what they need in Braylon Allen as that bruiser back Ches Malusi hopefully not too injured toward the end of this year and then Graham Mertz just needs to be slightly efficient and he's been great in the play action passing game lately so Wisconsin is certainly a team that although they lost three of their first four games that were going to make or break this season for Wisconsin outside of the Big Ten West Division they are still in a chance to get to that Big Ten title game and take on most likely Ohio State coming from the Big Ten East. So I have thoroughly enjoyed the anarchy in the Big Ten West. And it might not be done yet, although it's seeming more and more likely that Wisconsin will claim the division. I'm not so sure that it's done yet. The Big Ten West, just the way it's been this year, that there's still – I mean, Minnesota can beat Wisconsin. Wisconsin's a better football team 
right this second, absolutely. And also something that Monter, you mentioned the defense, Wisconsin, even all the way back when they were like three and three, they were number two in SP plus buying Georgia the entire, like it never yeah. wavered all the way back the last like five, six weeks. It has been this Wisconsin defense. And you're right about Graham Mertz just having to be slightly above average, but I got a question for you. If I give you, if I give you these five quarterbacks, this is going to, this is a tough, this is a tough scene for quarterbacking. Graham Mertz, Spencer Petrus, Tanner Morgan, Aiden O'Connell, who's the one I'm missing? I had who's the last one? The, For Illinois, Brandon Peters? No, uh, of the four teams. Adrian Martinez? No. Who are you talking Hertz, about? In the Hertz, West? Morgan, Petrus, O'Connell. I had one yeah. more team I wanted to do. What it's either Illinois, Northwestern, either Ryan Holinsky, Hunter Johnson. Oh, you're right. Maybe it was just those four. Who do you take of those four? Yeah. Out of those four that you just named, Bram Mertz, Aiden O'Connell, Spencer Petrus, and Tanner Morgan, I'm taking Aiden O'Connell. Wow. And maybe so Aiden O'Connell. Purdue still got a chance to win the West. We haven't even mentioned them. Absolutely they do, but now they have a much tougher task being that they lost to Wisconsin. That's the thing about Wisconsin right now is Wisconsin has the benefit of having the tiebreaker head-to-head wins over Iowa and Purdue at the moment. And although the other teams have knocked each other off, Iowa has beat those other two top teams that are really in contention. And that's why the Minnesota-Wisconsin game, the battle for Paul Bonnie's axe to end out the year will be vitally important. But that's why it's trending toward Wisconsin because they have performed so well in the Big Ten West Division. Wisconsin has not lost yet in the Big Ten West Division, also throwing a win over Illinois and then also Northwestern, it seems, coming up this weekend. Anyway, for Wisconsin right now, I think they are trending in that right direction. But back to your question about Aiden O'Connell, in Purdue's offensive system, that's all Purdue wants to do is throw the football. Purdue does not run the football. Jeff Brom is known as a quarterback whisperer of sorts, a quarterback guru that is an offensive mastermind that has always emphasized the passing game in West Lafayette. So if Aiden O'Connell is in that system at Purdue, certainly Aiden O'Connell is the pick of playing quarterback right now in the Big Ten West. Uh, I want to change gears on something with you. I said Purdue was this team this past week. It panned out. Wisconsin was this team a few weeks ago. It seems specifically in the Big Ten this year. Actually, North Carolina fit the bill on this too. There's always some spreads this late in the college football season where you're like, you look at rankings and you look at records and you maybe don't dig. You don't even have to not dig deep. If you don't dig past the surface level, you're like, huh, why is this spread this way? Well, this is it Penn State, Michigan? Because that's where I'm going with it. Penn State, Michigan is – Absolutely that. I think it's now gone to one. When I planned this out, it was a pick but now it's now gone to one, one and a half some places. But I just want to ask you as, as a gambling guy and as a Big Ten guy, what do you make of one just spreads like that in general, but also this specific spread for this specific week with a ton on the line for Michigan? I mean, you're absolutely correct. You look at that Wisconsin and Purdue game a couple of weeks ago. There was no reason an unranked Wisconsin team with how well they were performing or how not well they were performing at the time should have been a road favorite against Purdue coming off that win over Iowa. But what happened? Wisconsin won that game handily. Then you look at Purdue last week. There is really no reason they should be even a a two-and-a-half-point underdog against the number three team in the country coming off a huge win over their most bitter rival in Michigan, that being the Spartans over Michigan, the Wolverines. So that makes no sense, right? But sometimes when a line looks like that, and you can't rationalize it. That means that there are smarter people in charge of setting those lines that have algorithms, models, and all the facts and figures they could possibly desire to predict outcomes thousands of times in whatever database and system they are using that makes a lot more sense and is a lot smarter than you could ever hope to be or any research that you could do in trying to bet a football game. So sometimes either you tip your cap and you say, I'm staying away from this game, or if you want to trust where the sharp guys are going or what the analytics say from a sports book perspective, 
setting that line, then maybe you bet it. But that being said, it doesn't always work out. It's not always a tried and true practice, but there are lines that stand out where I call them fishy lines. They smell to the high heavens. If it smells, there's a reason that it smells. So as that pertains to Penn State and Michigan this weekend, Penn State's a three-loss football team. Penn State has been competitive at times, and I still think has that fight in them, but you look all around the situation. James Franklin might not be the head coach next year. They're pretty banged up offensively, still a very good defense. And I know it's at home in Happy Valley, but again, we're talking about the number six team in the country right now that I could go on a tryout about as well, how Michigan is ranked ahead of Michigan State. But we're talking about the number six team in the country right now that has one loss to their rival on the road in what was a top 10 matchup. And Michigan still has a path to the Big Ten title game if they pull off the impossible and knock off Ohio State. So with all of that ahead of Michigan and seemingly nothing ahead for Purdue in terms of the grandiose factor of the end of the season in college basketball, why in the hell would Penn State be favored? That's why we say, why in the hell are they? That's why the number stands out, but that's why you might want to stay away from the number because if it doesn't make sense to you, don't try to make it make sense. You uh, brought something up. It was literally the note right next to uh, this note that I had about this game. Michigan, Michigan State. I knew – I actually have a completely different opinion than you on this. I think Michigan should absolutely be ahead of Michigan State. Okay. And if you want to – I don't want to – we don't need to debate. I'll give, you, I'll give you the quick version other than the fact that, like, I, I just think that, one, Michigan is better. And then, two, again, sure. people, can, people can throw this argument back against you, but if the most recent thing, if our most recent sample size – is a loss to Purdue and whatever you think to Purdue. And we're now one week removed from that game, which again, Michigan probably should have won. You play that game, like they win that game eight times. But they didn't, but But they didn't win. Yeah. But here's what, but one, there's two points here. One, Michigan, again, Michigan now. And again, people go against this all the time because the easiest thing you can do is say, well, your loss is to you guys, but Michigan state on the road is a much better loss than Purdue now. And then two, this is also what the committee did is just stupid because this is going to work itself out regardless because both those teams play Ohio State. So if Michigan State beats Ohio State first, you just put them ahead. And then if Michigan somehow beats Ohio State, then you save this conversation and then you just go who's more impressive against Ohio State because you say Michigan played them on the road and they led for three quarters of that football game. I know that I didn't get to lay that out the way I wanted to. And you have a completely different opinion because there's a head to head thing at play. But I think if the committee's goal, like they say it is, is to find the best four football teams. If we are ranking the football teams on whatever criteria you want on this day, November 10th, Michigan is a better football team than Michigan state. And they may not have been two weeks ago, but we're not playing the playoff two weeks ago. We're playing it now. Okay. So let me give you a counterpoint. Right. Let me give a counterpoint to everything that you said right there. In your evaluation of Michigan State and Michigan, you highlighted the quality of loss. If we are going to make losses make more and have more value in how we determine how good a football team is, and a loss ranks ahead of a win, then we have done a disservice to anybody that plays games on an actual football field. Because if we value the quality of a loss more than the quality of a win, we are doing a really, really bad thing in terms of determining who the best football team is. Also, in terms of actually establishing who the better football team is and setting up the college football playoff, I agree that at the end of the day, this will all work itself out. Michigan State plays Ohio State. Michigan plays Ohio State. Most likely, Ohio State's going to knock off both of those teams, and it won't really matter for the top four when all is said and done. And it doesn't even matter right now. 
but the college football playoff rankings, even in the second iteration, is not a predictive model. It is not the final model. If it is, and all we care about is who the top four at the end of the year should be, then let's just wait till the first weekend well, of December. I, see, that's, after- where, that's one thing I would push back on because the college football, it is a predictive model. It is listing who's going to be in the playoffs because eventually that, those rankings are the – like it's not – it's not object or it's not subjective. It is. But then we're not taking into account. We're not taking into account previous resume and rankings as they are designed polls, as they are designed are to take into the result of outcomes that have already happened on the actual football field. And outside of that, in terms of the criteria that the committee had used in the first two weeks and had stressed to us is that a head to head matchup means the most in terms of their criteria of how they rank teams against each other with like resumes. And right now, Michigan State and Michigan have very like resumes. Both have a single loss, but Michigan's loss is to Michigan State, the team they are now ranked ahead of, and Michigan State's loss is to Purdue. But again, I don't really care about losses. I care about the wins head-to-head. So why are you ranking Oregon then, number three, ahead of Ohio State, just a couple of spots ahead of the poll of where Michigan and Michigan State find themselves at six and seven. You can't have those two things literally within five spots of each other in the same top seven rankings and use justification for one to say this is why Oregon is ahead of Ohio State and something completely different, a spot later down the poll because you just feel like grabbing something out of thin air. That's the best argument to be made because they really, they really screwed themselves in those first rank. Because, again, you could use the same argument. Ohio State today is a far better football team than Oregon, right. 100%. I don't think anyone – I don't even think most Pac-12 fans or whoever non-Oregon fans who see Oregon more would even dispute that. So that's where, again, I have a problem too. But where I would – again, where I kind of disagreed with you is the committee is not using – other polls or using other public data points and saying, well, we like this, we like this. The committee's model from that first Tuesday in November is gospel. The rankings all switch to them. It's all we talk about. We throw out the AP poll. No one cares about it anymore. No one cites it anymore. So the committee is the one deciding, which means when they do things like put Alabama two after a loss and being a one loss team, they are saying right away, they are staking their claim as kind of a predictive model because if it was just resume Alabama wouldn't be that high and if it was just resume Oklahoma would be in the playoff and so would Cincinnati but I don't think it's ever been really about resume it has always been about this vague criteria as Ryan Russell likes to say vague on purpose criteria so they can fall back on whatever they want which I don't agree with but if the goal is to have the four best football teams in America play I'm fine with putting Michigan ahead of Michigan State to then later use it for this exact thing when this comes up and they have similar resumes, they can say, since November 10th, we haven't lied to you. We thought Michigan was better. Yeah, but what is the criteria to make Michigan better outside of the vague understanding that Michigan is a better football team, which I would also push back on. What is Michigan's best quality win? Michigan State's best quality win is a better win than Michigan has. That's fair. Resumes must mean something. Polls and rankings must mean something based on what has already happened. Yes, you can take predictive models into it, although I don't really necessarily agree. That's why we have odds out there. Those are predictive models. Rankings should take into account the outcomes that have already happened. And if winning a football game means nothing, at least in a head-to-head matchup, then what's the point? But I don't think – So my whole thing is – I think it's just a part – I think it's just part of Michigan State's resume. I think that, but that's all it is because the only time we ever care when people played head to head to determine who is better is when they are close in rankings like that, which obviously means they are close teams and you want to use that as a tiebreaker. But if I say Michigan is clear, Michigan State is better than Purdue, I don't think anyone really dispute that right now. 
But for some reason, if you say it about Michigan when it matters, then you can't do it the reverse way of Michigan, Michigan State. Because right. there's and definitely again, teams think... that lose games that they don't deserve to lose. Like Michigan didn't deserve to lose that game probably. I don't know. They were up 16 points in the second half and lost that football game. There's no credit go to the Spartans in that situation. It's just a fluke that Michigan lost. I think that's public perception. I think Michigan State was the better football team in the second half. Uh, yeah, they're the best. It's a better football team in the second half, but they weren't as better as Michigan was in the first half, which again, that's you can, I, I mean, that's, that's, again, that's all, it's all subjective. Know. But like, I, what, but my point is in college. But what is not subjective, Brett, is the win in a win-loss column. Is the final points in the tally in a box score. That's okay, not subjective. But, that lives in history. Absolutely. In the record books, it will show that Michigan State won that football game in East Lansing on Saturday, October 30th, 2021, by the score of 37 to 33. Yeah, it absolutely will. And it'll always show that Illinois beat Penn State in nine overtimes, but no one's shouting from the rooftops that Illinois is better than Penn State because we don't care. Because we're not comparing that at the moment. We're not comparing Illinois to Penn State in this situation. But my point is if you said Penn State was better, everyone would agree. 100%. But when you have like resumes, and Illinois and Penn State don't necessarily have like resumes at the moment, and you're ranking people within the same poll, within the same seven spots, at the top of said poll and using a different justification for three and four as you do from six and seven, then that is what the issue is. If Oregon had been ranked eighth where I think they should be and Ohio State was second where I think they should be, then cool. Put Michigan and Michigan State now, really now wherever you're you want. my language. Okay, that's yeah, fine. I agree, I agree with you there. Because, right. because but that's, that's, but that's the not what we that, have. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. that's not what we have in this – and that's not, not what we have in this system right now with how the college football playoff selection committee does this. And if they're trying to make this thing be a weekly ranking show and that have value and that matter to teams as we go through the season to then set up things to happen on the football field to take care of everything else that sets up paths to the college football playoff, then on a weekly basis, the rankings should matter and they should matter based on the results that we have seen in the past couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, I completely agree with that. Again, my last point on Michigan is if we look at the results we have seen over the weeks, we look at full bodies of work. I like Michigan's full body of work more, regardless of what Because happened. they beat Northwestern? Regardless, they're just a better football team. They have, they, they're better offensively. They're better defensively. They have two quarterbacks who are almost as good right. as Michigan State's right. one. They so, have two quarterbacks who are almost as good as Michigan State's one. Their, their defense is far better, rush and pass. I, they, I don't know why I can't make an argument they're a better football team. So here's my, okay, here's a final hypothetical for you in terms of comparing <laughs> Michigan, Michigan State. And again, I don't think this is going to matter for the top four. No, it absolutely doesn't. Done. <laughs> but could it matter for a Rose Bowl appearance? Maybe so. So I think there is some credence to this. Let's say the second to last week, next Saturday, Michigan State goes to Columbus and they lose by a field goal in a tight, tight game. They play so well. It's 38-35. Ohio State's talent just wins out at the end of the day. And then the following weekend in Ann Arbor, Ohio State whoops Michigan 49-24 to as they always do. Who's the better football team between Michigan and Michigan State? You know, you can make an argument for Michigan State then. I think that's and a why, Brett. Because they won, they won the game. But it would be – Because of the results on the football. But, but that would but, – but again, you, I don't think that's fair to just put another key – like to just put the finger, the thumb on the weight of the Michigan State column there. Because if I ask you the same thing – if Michigan goes and blows out Ohio State and Michigan State loses to them, who's the better team now? It's obviously Michigan. But they still play and, so. they, and they still have similar resumes. So why right. can't it be Michigan ahead of that game? Absolutely so. But what we have in terms of the resume right now is a Michigan State win over Michigan, and both teams have one loss. And Michigan State's loss, as it stands right now, again, if we're comparing losses, 
which I don't think we should do, Michigan State's loss is on the road against a top 20 team in the Purdue Boilermakers. That's fair. That's absolutely fair. Again, my last thing on this uh, soliloquy, I don't, need to, I don't need to hit the ball back to you. I just want to make a point on this. I, I think where losses matter and where you are dismissing where losses matter is in college football, you only have 12 Saturdays to audition. And, mm-hmm. so if, if, and so if there's going to be one loss teams in the playoff, like we have decided year after year, there's probably going to be two or three, then yep. we should absolutely be debating losses because there's going to be seven teams that fall into that criteria and we need to find one thing in there. And if there's seven teams who all play 12 games and they're all 11 and one, what's the one thing we can look at all of them? They all have one loss and it's very easy to compare the one loss. And it's what okay. you looked at uh, at your worst, because again, whatever you want to say about the playoff, it's, it is a lot of the committee looking with their eyes saying, what do I think of that team when they play their best? What do I think of that team when they play their worst? And where does that fall compared to all these other teams. So I think if you only have 12, if you only have 12 things to compare, then losses should be important in some yes. way, shape or form. Is there anything else that you can talk about? That's really all I got on that. That, that Michigan, Michigan state, I said, I didn't want to debate. And then we debated it for a really long time. Well, we had to go back and forth. And yeah. I, just to echo your point there, I agree. Losses need to be a factor, but losses cannot be outweigh. Losses cannot outweigh wins. And yes. in this case for this week, right now where it stands, that is what we are doing with Michigan and Michigan State. Yeah, that's it. I, I hear what you're saying. It makes a lot of sense. And I'd put Michigan if I was on the committee. <laughs> <laughs> All I'd good, be, man. You and Gary I'd, Bard are the best of friends. Yeah, I'd be saying, you know, hey, Gary Bard is a good guy for whatever you want to say about him. Probably a good guy to know in the college football biz. Wouldn't mind having him. Absolutely so. Friend, so, so I you mean, got, hey, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, so you think you've mentioned this a couple of times. This is what we'll end on. You, you seem to think Ohio State, cakewalk over Michigan State and Michigan, both of these very good football teams we're debating here? Yes, I do. Wow. Just a simple, yeah. you're just CJ Stroud, the offense is humming, you believe the Joel Klatt, they're a basketball team. That's the best analogy ever because it's always insane how you're like be playing Ohio State close and all of a sudden they hit Olave and – Smith and Jigba over the top, not even over the top. In some cases, like last week, you'll just catch a hitch and start running and never stop. Yep. And then all of a sudden, yep. the game, all of a the football game's over, just like that. Listen, I don't think offensively many teams right now can compete with Ohio State just based on how many weapons they have at their disposal. And the fact that C.J. Stroud with a healthy Garrett Wilson can pick between Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jeremy Ruckert, who's one of the best tight ends in the Big Ten Conference. Oh, and then hand the ball off to the human cannonball in missile. That is Travion Henderson, who breaks off 50-yard runs like it's a casual stroll in the park. I mean, there's nobody really in college football offensively that can compete with that at the moment. Defensively, they have improved as well. I think Ohio State is finding what they need to do to be the most successful team. And I think Ohio State, as I did heading into the year, and despite a couple of early hiccups, is the best team in the Big Ten Conference. And not only am I saying that, Ohio State on the FanDuel Sportsbook is minus 300 to win the Big Ten Conference. Those are very, very strong odds to be an odds-on favorite at this time. So there is a clear indication that Ohio State is trending in that perfect direction to beat both Michigan State and Michigan and then get to the Big Ten title game and win whoever comes out of the West and then go back to the college football playoff. Well, I ask you this, and this is, might be a tra- this might sound like a trap question. I don't mean it this way. Who do you think gives them a better game? Do you think either of them give them a game at all? Maybe. Um, I don't know, man. Like, again, like I think based on past track record, until Michigan does something drastically different against Ohio State, Fair. I still think that's a bigger stage 
than maybe Michigan is even ready for right now. And the one good thing for Michigan is Ohio State's rush defense that was top five in the country last year is not nearly that good this year because of the depletion of the linebacker core from a season ago, but it is getting better. And that front four is getting a lot more ferocious and tenacious and getting a lot better up there. So I think that nullifies a little bit of what Michigan will do. I think, I mean, listen, I guess Ohio State has to go to Ann Arbor. So maybe that complicates things a little bit more. I still think Ohio State probably wins both of those games by at least a touchdown, if not more. Yeah, Ohio State is definitely going to get the Bama respect type spread where they go to Ann Arbor and they're still like an 11 and a half point favorite. And you're like, oh, Ohio State by that many. And then they'll do it. They'll win by three touchdowns. But by the way, you could be a bookmaker. That was the early look ahead line before the season even got underway. 11 and a half in Ohio State's favor. Wow. Look at this guy. This is that's a a guess the line. Bill Simmons, sign me up somewhere. Look at that. Um, So you think and then you said it earlier too. Ohio State two second best team in the country overall they'll play they're playing georgia i know i'm putting a lot on you right there but i gotta ask no i know i mean like i think i i think alabama and ohio state are a toss-up for who is the second or third best team in the country behind a clear peg of georgia because georgia is that crazy good right now and i think the offense can only get better for georgia whether it's stetson bennett or jt daniels and they also have a ton of playmakers who are getting healthier and healthier. Zamir White's one of the best backs in the country and really kind of a dual threat who is involved in the passing game a lot for UGA. So based on how good that defense is, like, I don't know how you beat Georgia right now. I don't think there's a blueprint out there to beat Georgia. And maybe Tennessee gives us a small sneak peek this weekend just because of how good the balls are offensively. But like, you have to score at least 24 points, I think, to beat Georgia right now and nobody has scored more than two touchdowns, and that was really a garbage-time touchdown from Kentucky that even got there. So even with how good Ohio State is offensively, even with all the weapons Alabama still has, I don't know how you put up at least three scores against Georgia. I haven't seen it yet, and I'm not sure there's a path out there to do it right now. So I think Georgia is a clear, clear distinction above both of those teams. But, yes, if I had to say who would beat the other right now, it would be Ohio State. But that being said – It'll be very interesting to see how that final four works out because I still, although I think the committee is setting up a two-loss Alabama team to be in contention if the SEC title game is very, very close, but if Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship game, then you're going to have Ohio State most likely have to play Alabama or Georgia. I think it would probably, you know, they're not going to put Alabama against Georgia right after that a couple of weeks later for the first semifinal of the college football playoffs. So, It'll be interesting to see how Ohio State fares because they'll have to get at least one of the SEC teams and maybe both of them to win a national championship. Yeah, a couple things on that. I agree with you on Ohio State being number two. I like Stetson Bennett more than JT Daniels if I had to pick today. And what people aren't really talking about, the team that gave you the best blueprint on how to beat Georgia was the team who played him in the first week of the year. It was Clemson because it was 3-3 except for a defensive touchdown in that game. So Clemson was the one who played Georgia the best. If you want to have any sort of blueprint and your blueprint on that is don't let the offense score. So it's not a very good blueprint. But I mean, no one's really talking about that and everything Georgia's done this year that after we forgot about Clemson, Clemson's played him way better than anybody. I agree. But I don't think either Alabama, Ohio State, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, anybody has the defense to keep Georgia to just 10 points again. Well, I guess, well, that's why they, that's why they play the games. So hey, <laughs> let's go, Brett. And, and we, find, we can circle everything back, huh? We finally came around. Ben Stevens, let the people know where they can find you before you go. At Stevens 
on Twitter. As Brett mentioned, I am the host of the Morning After on SportsGrid, Sirius XM, Channel 159 as well, all across the SportsGrid network. You can stream it on our YouTube page. If you have YouTube TV, YouTube TV, we have our own channel. It's affiliated all over the place, more places than I even know. I got hit up by somebody that we used to know in Omaha, Brett, who was out in Glenwood, Iowa, and he was watching on the TV one day. So SportsGrid is all over the place. The morning, we have some fun. Wonderful. Ben Stevens, we love having you as a guest here on Great Up Sports.